Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to another episode of Extra Extra. It's all about whiskey. I am your host, your guiding light, your man about town. You're a North Star, Jason. <laughs> Why so serious? <laughs> See what I did? Um, <laughs> I am the whiskey wizard, Jason Johnston Yellen. I'm joined, as always, and it is a pleasure when he does bless us with his presence. He is the whiskey cherub. He is Joshua Morrissey Hatton. Welcome. That's me. Thank you for having me on this. That's almost good to have you. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So on Extra Extra, you or I, whoever's turn it is, brings a whiskey news story to the attention of the other. We spend the first half of the episode reading said article and then the second half riffing on it. And it's a pretty standard, normal, usual type of whiskey chat that you and I have. Mm -hmm. But... In these instances, we record it and we make sure that our dear listeners can listen to that chat at their leisure. There you go. We're blessing them with our, with our, with our candor, with our voices, with our dialogue. <laughs> I like your use of candor. That was yeah. quite nice. So, you know, we, we do a yin and a yang thing here where... We talk about the down stuff, the tariffs, the exports. Last episode, we even had a we think about a potential future whiskey loch. Mm, And so this week, I bring you something that I think is is a little bit more upbeat, but it also gives us a chance to talk about the industry, which Mm. is really what we're always about here. Mm. I'm also going to say, I found this in the Scotsman, which is a a national newspaper in Scotland. And once I read through it on the Scotsman, it said an earlier version of this article appeared on our sister site at the Falkirk Herald. Huh. And so credit where credit is due. This week we are pulling an article from the Falkirk Herald. Amazing. Did Jason, did you ever think that we would be bringing a story from the Falkirk Herald? extra extra i didn't i really didn't but i'm i'm really happy that we are and so this one uh, there's a personal connection for me on this one Mm. about 18 months ago i had driven through to falkirk to see the wonderful ali walker Mm -hmm. when he was opening up you know uh, a new office for himself with infrequent flyers, mm-hmm. his independent bottling company. Yeah. And and before he and I went out for some dinner, <laughs> as a lot of gentlemen say to me in the industry, he said, let me show you something. And <laughs> and uh, the, the deal was we had to jump in his car, which, you know, not a problem. So we jumped in this car and we, we drove across Falkirk. And... We actually drove by some of the the final buildings of the Rosebank Distillery that that haven't come down yet. Oh, interesting! And then okay. saw a little bit of of not quite a new build, but an area where there would eventually be a new build, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And so that that was really fun. That was a cool little thing. Saw the little canal that mm-hmm. famously ran alongside the Rosebank site. Yeah, sure. And then he said, "Let me show you something else." And at that point, we're off to such a good start. I can and, hardly say no. Yeah. And so we continued on in the car. 
and and he drove me over to the Falkirk Distillery Company. Hmm. And that's a great face. I'm glad you're making that face. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. Brilliant. <laughs> Say what now? <laughs> and and so we we drove in and it sits on a very large parcel of land. Mm-hmm. And beautiful building, but nothing was happening. And as of 18 months ago, Ali had said to me, this has been on the go since around 2010. And no one really knows what state the project is at. Oh, wow. It's just kind of stalled. It, it was just and a sign or was there... No, there were buildings. There were yeah, buildings, there were structure Buildings had okay. been built. There were windows. Yeah, yeah. Some parts were boarded up. Some parts were, you know, fresh glass. Okay. Um, not even boarded up. Hmm. And and so it, it looked like it was on its way to be something really quite special. But Ali had said at that point, I I don't know where the project stands. Hmm. Mm-hmm. So so when I then, in preparation for this episode, came upon the Scotsman article, which led me back to the Falkirk Herald article. I'm very pleased to say the headline is Dream and Dram Come True with First Single Malt at Falkirk Distillery. Wow, okay. Subheading, a decade-long wait for Falkirk Distillery Company to start distilling single malt whiskey is finally over. The, The article is written by Jonathan Riley. And it was published online Friday 19th of February of this year. Yeah. But if you listen carefully in the article, you're going to find out a little bit more information. So, so Jonathan, in his article, says the that, firm... I'm going to yes. find out that he actually wrote this story 10 years ago and just had to wait. <laughs> he's, he's had it in his top drawer. Wait a second. You didn't tell me that you had a whiskey. I need to pour a whiskey. Oh, I, actually, it's a whiskey that I poured last night that I didn't finish because I fell asleep reading yeah. my book. Okay. And so it was capped, and now I'm just kind of finishing the dregs. Okay. So, Jonathan writes, The firm first received planning permission to build its premises in Grand Sable Road, Polmont, in 2010. Polmont just being a region of Falkirk, gotcha. an area within Falkirk. Thank you. However... Issues involving its proximity to a section of the Antonine Wall, as well as the coronavirus pandemic, meant plenty of patience was required before the business could officially begin operating in earnest. Hmm. You're familiar with the Antonine Wall? I'm not. Could you, just like the other place was a part of Falkirk, and I already <laughs> forgot that name. Could you tell Paul-Mont. us? Paulmont. Paulmont, yeah. Pullman. Pullman, Washington. Yeah, Pullman. Can you tell us what this wall is? So famously, Hadrian's Wall ran from the Solway to the Tyne and kind of now marks the modern border between England and Scotland. Okay. But back in its day, it was kind of the Roman advancement through what's come to be known as England as they were embarking upon Scotland, then known as Caledonia. Right, so it's Britannia and Caledonia divide. Mm-hmm. I, I, I want to say a, a couple of decades, a few decades after Hadrian's Wall, which was built from stone 
as a fort with gates, trade yeah. moved between. Sure. And Tenine, who'd take o- taken over for Hadrian, he built his own wall between the Clyde and the Forth. So essentially Glasgow, Edinburgh. Yeah, right? sure. Yep. So essentially between those, but coast to coast. And whereas he had a stone foundation, hmm. his wall was made from turf. And, and there was there was decent height to it, okay. right? Decent height. Apparently there was water on one side as well. And the idea was it was an extension north from Hadrian's Wall. Yeah. So now to the Antonine Wall. Mm-hmm. So the Romans have expanded, right? Uh, okay. But also with the same idea, the Caledonians attacking from the north mm-hmm. would have this divider that was now farther north than Hadrian's Wall, right? Okay. Okay. So, so, so really, all all that's left of the Antonine Wall are occasional portions, yeah. and that was only the stone foundation of it. Nothing going beyond or higher than the foundation. Uh, so, all all in all, it's just another another brick in the wall. Is that what you're? Well, technically, it's turf, but you to make that work, I will allow it. Thank you. So, <laughs> so founder George Stewart said it was a dream, or perhaps a dram too many, that brought about the initial idea of building his very own family-run whiskey distillery. Mm -hmm. After more than five decades spent running local businesses, the Stewart family celebrated in July 2020 when the distillery became fully operational. So that's one little breadcrumb through this article, mm-hmm, okay? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. July 2020, distillery became fully operational. There was further reason to be pleased late last year when Falkirk Distillery Company started producing a spirit for the first time. Here comes your second breadcrumb. Fans will have to wait until October 2023 mm-hmm. before sampling its whiskey, as a spirit isn't whiskey until it has been distilled for at least three years. We, a wee mistake there, a wee uh, mistake from Jonathan. Uh, uh, matured in oak for three years there, Jonathan, but we got it. We got the yep. general thrust yep. of yep. it. Yep. B- but isn't that interesting? July 2020, they were fully operational. October 2020, uh, October 2020, they laid down that first spirit that would begin maturing for three years. Yeah, I and, I caught that that three month. There's a, a three right, month break right, there. Right. Yeah, testing the system, mm-hmm. getting your wood lined up. You know, getting your warehouse complete. Yeah, so, true. yeah, there's a lot to be done in those three months. And actually, if memory serves, October 2019 is when I actually viewed the buildings with with Ali. Okay, so no spirit had been running at that point. It was Correct. still... And they hadn't finished the build. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. Okay, yep. Okay. So here's a, here's a bit of detail for us. Inside the magnificent new distillery building are two copper stills and a copper mash tun, which have a long history in whiskey distilling, having come from the Capardonic distillery at Rothis, Abelauer. Possessing the ability to eventually produce over a million litres a year, and I'll add in here, um, I haven't checked the Falkirk Herald, Uh, I think it might have run automatically. There's a video 
where you can actually see an interview with founder George Stewart, where he says if they were to run a triple shift, yeah. they could actually produce 1.5 million litres wow, so a this, year. So this is not a minor operation. This is and decent. And that's the yeah. part we're going to come back to in okay. the second half. Okay. So, um, so yeah, possessing the ability to eventually produce over a million litres a year, wow. side comment from Jason, although with a third shift they could produce 1.5 million litres a year, Falkirk Distillery Company's goal is to make a light lowland malt appealing to a wide range of spirit drinkers. Hmm. I want to come back to that in the second half as well. Mr. Stewart said the whole process to date has been one of passion and patience. We have invested heavily in time and money to create something we hope the local area can be immensely proud of. We are overwhelmed with the support shown already from the local area and whiskey community. There is something about whiskey that really brings people together. Our expectations are that over 80,000 visitors will come through the doors here every year and that has to be a boost for the local community. Mm -hmm. And then he added, furthermore, once fully operational with tours and our restaurant running, we will require well over 60 staff members. Wow. Okay. Right? Very yeah. busy. Yeah. Busy place. Yeah, and it's yeah, set yeah. up, just like you and I have talked about previously with somewhere like Annandale, which is, which is set up to receive bus parties, coach parties, mm-hmm. coaches and buses of tourists. That's what I'm saying. This Falkirk distillery is set on a parcel of land yeah. that will allow them the space for, for buses to come through yeah, as well. Yeah, That's yeah, how you yeah. hit those types of high numbers. So then Jonathan, the, the, uh, the journalist here, continues, Whiskey lovers can now sign up to be a founding member of the distillery, and for those who wish to invest further, there's an option to own your own cask in either a first fill bourbon or a sherry hogshead. Distillery manager Graham Brown, <laughs> formerly of Distel, and who spent time with both Deanston and Tobermory Distilleries, uh-huh. is overseeing production and admits something special lies in wait. He said, Our main aim here is to focus on the quality of the spirit. There is no rush to just put anything out to market that we aren't immensely proud of, and we believe that will show in the final product. And then we go back to... The journalist, with production now well underway, customers and whiskey fans can follow the journey online until COVID restrictions allow for the completion of its visitor centre. Tours of the distillery will then be available year-round with a restaurant and tasting event centre planned soon after. Hmm. There you go. So, it's interesting. When Ali and I were there and we saw the bones of this, Mm -hmm. wasn't clear what was happening inside just yet. It's interesting in a response to a pandemic, they've gone ahead and completed the production side of the business, but not completed the restaurant, which they wouldn't be able to run during this pandemic anyway, nor complete the visitor centre portion of things, which they wouldn't have open during this pandemic anyway. But they've started laying down casts 
and now they've started selling these casks as well. So I think that's done a lovely job of kind of framing what I saw with Ali mm -hmm. into the article, into what comes next for the distillery. So okay. let's let's wrap up our first part here. We'll come back and have a wee chat about this after these musical notes. Before we jump into the second half, I do encourage listeners of Extra Extra to go take a look at our Extra Extra Facebook page, where we will post the link to this. Go forth, watch the video. There's actually a, a nice little bit of additional information mm. shared by founder George Stewart that didn't make it into the article. And there's you know some nice outdoor drone footage, as we've now become accustomed to. And then there's some nice shots inside the production area as well. Yeah. And you can see those stills that have come in from Capardonic. Beautiful. Beautiful. So, so with that said, Joshua, last week we were starting to talk about the potential for a whiskey loch, mm -hmm. the, the changing landscape that's occurred over the last 10 years. It's so interesting to me that here we see a project that had its starting point in 2010, the same year you and I had the conversation about launching our company. Mm -hmm. And then we moved on it and got the wheels rolling in 2011. Here they have gone through this 10-year process, stops and starts. Given what we've talked about previously with the changing landscape of the industry, what do you think a project like this looks like? in 2021, a lowland-style spirit, one million litres annually. Well, the, the timing is interesting <laughs> because, as, as, as we've now heard, they started building this 10 years ago, right? Now, now 11 years ago. So I think had you asked me 10 or 11 years ago, A, your question would have been a bit different, and, 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 and B... <laughs> Well, just the whole, the, we wouldn't be having this conversation, would we? Correct. Right? <laughs> Correct. Right? <laughs> obviously. Obviously, I wish them nothing but success. I do have a concern, and as do you, and as do others in the industry, that we're going to see things starting to slow down a little bit, right? Maybe some taps get shut off. Maybe they just start trickling out instead of pouring out. And, and so that has me concerned. The other part of this that has me concerned, not just for this distillery, but for other distilleries, but for this distillery specifically, is with, with them being able to put out a million liters of spirit per year, I would say in order to keep lights on, in order to keep uh, people employed, you need to be producing enough spirit to go into blend. There's no distillery I can think of that's that's going to come out the gate just filling nothing but single malt. That They're going to have to start selling some of this all off for blend. And we're seeing blends go down in popularity. 
um, now to the tune of 88 to around 90% of the overall whiskey sales, when traditionally it was around 95%. Uh, so this, I think they're going to be in a rough spot. Uh, let me add one last thing. From a blend perspective, having having a very soft, subtle spirit, if it's uh, if it is consistent, then I think that is that would be good for a blend. If it's a very striking style, they that could potentially put them into a difficult position. So I, I do like that they're they're saying, you know what, we're going for this soft, subtle pleasing to everyone style that that I hope works better for for blends if they're looking to just sell that stock. Yeah, and, and to be clear here, and I, and I revisited the portion of the article and it says, possessing the ability to eventually produce over sure. a million litres yeah. a year. Yeah. And so there's nothing in the article, and I don't recall anything from the video that said what they're st- starting with, what output they're starting with. But it it is interesting that to open a modern distillery is to open with a visitor Mm centre and to understand your foot traffic numbers. It's to open with a cafe or a restaurant, a place where people can actually spend real money in Mm -hmm. real time Mm -hmm. that can support staff and pay bills and and so on and so forth and it's selling casks directly to consumers Mm -hmm. like those three things are points one two and three on how you open a modern distillery Mm -hmm. and to have lost the ability for the restaurant with the pandemic to have lost the ability to draw in the foot traffic with the pandemic now you're throwing your lot in with direct-to-consumer cask sales, which, yes, we know we've been watching for, you know, gosh, a couple of decades now, where that's that's key. That's hugely yeah, important. Is, yeah. and, and consumers excited about what they might own in a, in a further 10 years or so, you still get the money in the door today to pay the bills, to pay the staff, to continue Mm -hmm. on with with other builds. So, you know, in seeing what they have in front of them, it seems savvy. It seems like they understand what they're getting into. Mm -hmm. They understand the needs of this industry. As to selling blending stock, I agree with you. I think that's a, a key part of opening the doors and especially having any kind of volume worth selling. But who's taking on a brand new distillery in a blend, right? Mm. So many well-established blends that need volume already have their partners. And you, you don't, on day one of a new distillery, say, tell you what would be a great component to this blend this newly started anonymous distillery. Maybe you're right. I'll be very honest in saying I personally simply do not know enough about that world and how the world of of blends and trades for blends and and selling spirit for blends works. 
you know, 10 years ago, we didn't know how independent bottling worked and we learned a lot along the way. So I, my guess is there's bits of the industry we simply don't know about that maybe they do know about. This could not be a better setup, Joshua, because our very next episode of One Nation Under Whiskey, we're going to talk with Nick Ravenhall, the new managing director at Holyrood Distillery. Ah, yes, yes, yes. And we will be able to ask those very questions of him. Perfect. Uh, and see what he's willing to share, see what he's willing to, <laughs> to admit to. But there is, right? Yeah. It's, and it is interesting because I did think about our friends at Holyrood when I read this piece today about Falkirk Distillery, yeah, yeah. where they're talking foot traffic, 80,000. We know with our friends at Holyrood, they're in Edinburgh. They expected Edinburgh foot traffic. Yeah. And then, boom, you have a pandemic, you lose your foot traffic, and you go, oh, shit, we just lost a third of our income. right? And I'm not saying that those are equally divided. right? Yeah. Okay, yeah. It's, it's a third what you can feed people on site. It's a third... You know, the the feet coming through and doing your visitor center visits and walking away with bottles, and it's a third buying cast. I'm not saying they're equally divided. I'm just saying you've lost one leg of the stool. Yeah, exactly. When you've lost your foot traffic. I gotcha. So, so, you know, I think when Nick comes up, we'll be able to ask him, what do you pivot to? What does that look like? I think it's a very real question, and, and hopefully he'll be up for answering it, and we can think of friends we haven't yet met at Falkirk Distillery mm-hmm. uh, when we get those answers coming in from Nick as well. Yeah, 100%. So, so, so let me ask you, because I am, I'm always intrigued when I see the words light lowland malt. That's, that's a category distinction. And I think as one opens up a distillery, and I, I think of our friends at Kilhoman mm-hmm. uh, and Anthony Wills and, and family and what they've done over there. They came online. They had Isla Single Malt. They were the first distillery on the island in 125 years. They had a lot in their back pocket at a time when peated whiskey was really exploding and young people yeah. were getting into peated whiskey. And now they had this fresh distillery to get behind and to follow. We don't tend to hear people talking about being excited about light lowland malt. And and perhaps we'll see a return to it, right? We're, we're t- 10 years removed here, right? We're a decade along. Maybe that's going to be a flavour profile people will start pivoting to. I, I'm curious on on your thoughts on when it comes to a particular categorical style. Well, I don't disagree with you. When it comes to whiskey, it seems more and more people are looking to expand flavors, to go to more extreme flavors, right? You see plenty of Speyside and, and Highland distilleries now experimenting with peated mall and and now mezcal and tequila casts are available. So you're going to start seeing that. You've got even Irish distilleries, you know. Uh, That's the one that I've been thinking of is the rise of Irish. Right. Uh, you've got a bunch of Irish distilleries popping up, looking to do single malt, now playing with stout casks and IPA casks. You know, there's a lot of experimentation happening. And as as you were to, well, as you were reading the article and as you were setting up the question, 
the implication seemed to be, is there really a cry for a, a, a delicate, <laughs> soft style, given what we, you know how we've seen whiskey evolve? On the face of it, you'd say, well, maybe not, maybe not. However, Rosebank Distillery is on the cusp of being rebuilt, reopened, mm-hmm. spirit mm-hmm. starting again, and that was a soft, delicate style of whiskey, triple distilled. There is a need for it, I think. And I think, slash hope, especially for, for this distillery and any other, say, the Annandales of the world and any other distillery that should be popping open in the lowlands, my hope is that when Rosebank is reopened and starts releasing whiskeys, that maybe the lowland region starts getting noticed a bit more. I mean, obviously we have Akintoshin, right? But it's not a huge brand, but maybe that will change as Rosebank comes back online because that is a name. If there was ever a name for a lowland distillery, Rosebank's a big one. Well, and also thinking about the the more modern build at Annandale and then thinking about the change in ownership at Bladnock. Right, you've yeah, got yep. people who have got skin in the game here to revise, revitalize the lowland character, mm. and you know if if it's been Glenkinchy and Ockintoshin for so long, maybe there is room to do something interesting there. It, it actually makes me think in in watching the video, George Stewart talks about being through in Rothis, yep, and talking to someone at a visitor centre up there. Mm. And and I'm, I'm going to muddle the numbers here, but the point remains. <laughs> the person at the visitor centre was saying, you know, we've got 20 distilleries within 15 miles of each other, right where we're standing. Yeah. We're all competing with one another for foot traffic. You're going to be in Falkirk, in the central belt, off a motorway. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. you, you're not going to be competing with the numbers that we are competing with. And it makes me think of the lowland region writ large. Yeah. Is you're not wading into a saturated market. The concern might be the opposite. You're wading into a mostly ignored market. Mm -hmm. But that's true. But but the potential is there. And I know that's that's their take Annandale is they can be a border single malt. They can own that category with two hands and say, this is the borders, right? Writ large, Bladnach, Rosebank when it comes back online, Falkirk Distillery, Alkintoshin and Glenkinchy. Okay, now you can start marketing your region again. Yeah. You know, listen, you and I are coming to this from a whiskey geek perspective. And the fact of the matter is when this distillery, well, they are online, right? They're, they're, mm-hmm. Their spirit's been running since October of last mm-hmm. year. As they start releasing their own whiskeys and getting medals, <laughs> you know, the, 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 the pedestrian consumer is going to find out about them, right? When they, when they win the right awards, and who knows, <laughs> you know, it's a large enough distillery 
that if the make is good enough and the foot traffic is good enough, that a large player may say, you know what, do you want to sell us this distillery? And that's a great way of becoming a standard part of of a blend. (laughs) So, you know. um, Yes, you are correct. (laughs) Yes, you are. Um, It it echoes a point I was going to get out of here on, which is, when you've taken the time to step foot inside a distillery, yeah. that distillery means more to you than if you'd only read about it or seen it online in passing. 100%. Yep. And if you can translate some of those 80,000 pairs of feet into supporters and ambassadors for your distillery, yeah. you'll generate a following real quick like mm-hmm. uh, and I think that's another peek into the future for them as well brilliant I love these conversations I I know that a new distillery you know laying down new make isn't necessarily breaking news but the types of conversations you and I have about who's now opening their doors what are they producing and who are they going to be selling to it just fascinates me. I just, I love having that conversation. Well, and I liked you bringing a, a positive story. And obviously we have to, you know, also throw a little bit of realism on here and a little bit of trepidation, but all in all, it's, it's, it's hopeful. And I, I wish nothing but, but George Stewart and, and the rest of the team luck. I hope that we'll be able to, to visit the distillery, maybe meet with them sometime and... And taste their spirit. Always. Always. Brilliant, man. If any of our dear listeners want to get in contact, drop us an email, questions at onenationunderwhiskey.com. Never, ever, and forever. An E in whiskey. But we'd love to hear from you. Mm. And until next time, dear listeners, Whiskey Cherub, this is the Whiskey Wizard bidding you all fond farewell. Whiskey Cherub does the very same. Cheerio. Cheerio.